Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. starting a brand new series called Building a Legacy. And I think this series is so important because it just talks about who we are as a, as a church, who we are as believers, as we build our lives getting closer to Jesus, how will we be remembered? How will those of us at Calvary be remembered? How do we spend our time? How do we spend our generosity? How do we live our lives? Did we build the right lives for our children to follow? And so we're going to talk about building a legacy, the importance of that. And this series is going to lead to our Heart for the House uh, Sunday, which is going to be incredible, I pray. And real quick, if you can, I know we talked about a little bit in offering, but on your seats, you have a, hum, a Heart for the House envelope. And if you haven't yet, you can take this with you. And I encourage you to do so. It will remind you that it's coming up. It will remind you to pray for it. And what we're believing for, for Heart for the House, if you've been, if you've been here for church for a couple, some, some years, you know what it's about. If you're here for the first time, Heart for the House is us believing this. That if you bring your sacrifice, I bring my sacrifice, we bring our sacrifices together, we're going to see God do something incredible because we're putting what we feel like is all we can in his hands. He'll expand it, he'll grow it, and he's going to reach those that need it the most. And so I just encourage you, let's pray. Let's believe that this Heart for the House will be the best one yet. Just being vulnerable, me and my wife, we make sure that every year we try. It's not easy. We're about to have a baby girl, so your boy is... It's tight. It's tight. And uh, it's, uh, you know, diapers are expensive. And it's like, are these for adults or are these for little kids? Like, what the heck is going on here? This is very pricey. And, uh, but we're going to believe, even though we got so many things to take care of, the house comes first. Because this house literally has changed my life. If it wasn't for this church and the church doors being open for me to hear the gospel, I would not be here today. And so no matter what is going on in my life, no matter how much I'm struggling, no matter what the, whatever the circumstance is, the house comes first and it's always going to be a priority in my life because Jesus says we are called to build this church. And so I just pray that all of us will bring our sacrifices, believing for a miracle to happen. It's going to be incredible. So if you're taking notes, the title of my talk today is Why We Worship. Why We Worship. And when you hear me say worship today, I'm not, I'm not just speaking about our, our singing. Worship is more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's yes, it's us praising Jesus with our voice. Yes, it's worshiping him, showing love and, and being generous in our giving. And it's also how we live every day. Are we honoring God with how we live? Are we honoring God with our time, with our, with our resources? And worship is more than just song. It's a lifestyle. And we're going to talk about why we do it. And I think the beautiful, most beautiful example is found in our chapter that we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 11. Mark chapter 14, 3 to 11. And it goes like this. Now the, or sorry, verse three. While he was in Bethany, Jesus, he was reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus's head. Uh, th this gospel, the gospel of Mark doesn't tell us, but the other gospels do. This is Mary, the sister of Lazarus. So they were very close to Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. So Jesus probably invited them over to the house to hang out. And here she does the unthinkable. She breaks the jar, pours his perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? 
It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly and publicly in front of her. They were just in front of Jesus, in front of whoever was there, just ridiculing her, making fun of her and, and chastising her for, for the beautiful thing that she did. Verse six, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Why? Because Jesus knew physically he was going to go away. Then we're going to have Jesus just hanging out with them all the time. He was going to go on the cross and die and the Holy Spirit was going to come. So this was, this was one of their last chances to just enjoy the physical presence of Jesus. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give Judas money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. We read about two legacies being built here. Because both Mary and Judas were remembered, but they were remembered for two very different things. So how do we build the right legacy that honors God and leaves a legacy that people can follow and get behind. And so let's pray and let's learn from God's word together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for everybody watching online. Thank you for everybody here for the first time joining us as guests. Thank you for everybody that makes Calvary their home. We just pray that today, Jesus, you would just speak to us more than just a man on a microphone. God, your Holy Spirit would, would speak specifically to whatever we're going through, whatever we need to hear, that it would be tailor-made for every individual. I pray that we would just fall in love with you again, Jesus, that every Sunday we would never just go through the routine, that every chance we get to worship you, it's beautiful, that you're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our worship, you're worthy of giving our lives to Jesus. And I pray anybody here today that doesn't know you, Jesus, they don't have a relationship with you, but that today would be the day they make the greatest decision of their entire life. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen, amen, amen. After 444 days, the American hostages who were held captive in the act of terrorism came home from Iran on January 20th, 1981. And the event that I'm speaking of is, if you've seen the movie Argo, it's based on this. The U.S. had been interfering with some things in Iran, and there was a civil war, and there was a lot of, diploma, there was a lot of drama going on. And Iran was upset with the U.S. interfering. So what they did was they took 52 American hostages. And for 444 days, they, 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 couldn't, they didn't free them. They didn't, they, took, they didn't take care of them. Like they held them hostage for so many days. And these people, they didn't know when they were going to get saved. They didn't know what was next for their life. They didn't know what their next meals. They didn't know if they're going to die the next day. And so for over 400 days, they are living in fear. But on January 20th, they came home, and the first thing they did when they got off the plane was kiss the ground. No matter what star or achievement that they had earned in the armed services, when they hit the ground from Iran, they all bowed down. It's home sweet home. They were living in this foreign country, not knowing what was going to happen, and now they're in the safety of home, safety of where they belong. And they put their clean lips on that dirty tarp, and they kissed it. They went down because they knew where they had been, and where they are now, and they are forever grateful. See, what this story represents to me is a beautiful display 
of authentic worship. You see, they didn't need anything. They didn't ask for anything. They were just thankful that they were saved. They were just thankful that they were once in a place of terror and now they're in a place of freedom. And I think sometimes life has a funny way of making us forget this is how we're supposed to worship. This is the attitude we are supposed to bring when we worship with our voice, with our finances, with our lives. That sometimes we could be honest, it's, it's sometimes our own mentality, our own thinking that causes us to not have this beautiful, true heart of worship. We forget that we were once hostages of Satan in a place that was full of captivity, but that Jesus saved us and freed us from hell. We forget that Jesus is literally worthy of our praise and worship. We forget. And here's the problem. When we forget his worth, we falter in our worship. When Jesus no longer has this worth that we once saw him as, this position we once saw him as, we falter in our worship. Maybe today you lost a little bit of passion in your worship. Maybe you're not all in like you used to be. Maybe life has hit you and, and you're going through some things and it's hard to worship because you haven't, you haven't been on the receiving end of a blessing. And that's kind of the drama and the tension we find ourselves when it comes to worship because if we can be real, sometimes our passion for worship is determined based on whether or not Jesus is going to deliver for us. Right? Like, I mean, can, am I the only one that's ever worshiped here trying to get something and it didn't happen and you just get, you get frustrated, you get upset? Sometimes our passion, what really gets us going is I'm coming to church on Sunday because I'm believing that Jesus is going to heal me. And then what happens if he doesn't? Does our passion dwindle? Does it? And I'm not downplaying what you're going through. I'm not downplaying it. We all struggle. We all got things going on. But we can't let our worship falter because before we know it, we turn worship into an exchange. Right? Like the, the art of exchange has been around for centuries, it's been around for ages. The bartering system, the haggle, like, like we all have traded something in. We've all given something, hoping for something. My, my wife literally just traded in her car for a new car with Carvana. And praise God, because the car payments are cheaper. Thank you, Jesus. Like, it was a great decision. I was so happy. It was awesome. We celebrated. It was great. Little wins, little wins. It was awesome. She traded it in. Like, do you, okay, do you remember when Pokemon cards were like the height of popularity? When I was in elementary school, I would give my soul for a holograph, holographic Charizard card. Like, I really would because now it's worth like $100,000. This is crazy. But I would give anything. I would give all my chocolate milks. I don't care what it is. I'll give everything to make sure I get the thing that I deem worthy. That's what we do with exchange. We, we, we go for something we deem worthy, that we, we value, that we love for something in return to get that thing that we love. It's, it's, it's an exchange. And if we're not careful, what we can do is we can create a problem in our relationship with Jesus when we bring that same mentality, right? Like, I won't worship if. I'll serve if. I'll give if. And that's dangerous because we forget what Jesus already done for us, right? We want more done. We want more for us. We want more given. When it's like, yo, last time I checked, Jesus did enough already with the cross, and I got to remind myself whenever I start thinking like that, I look in the mirror and say, hey, Jesus took that cross for you. You no longer have to live in regret. You don't have to live in shame. Your past is forgiven. Every day you get to wake up with oxygen in your lungs, with purpose in your life. And the only person that can give you that is Jesus. And that right there spurs me to want to worship. I don't want to downplay grace. I don't want to downplay his forgiveness. I don't want to make the cross look like something that is just average. When it took Jesus, his very life and his blood to pay for my sins 
So I will worship him. And I think we got to be careful because our sins are forgiven. We have grace. We've been given everything. I think our response, we should give our own worship because Jesus gave his all on the cross. That's, that's the basis of worship. It's that I do, I give, I say, I act, I obey because what Jesus did for me. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 19. It says, he, we love because what? He first loved us. Jesus saw every single one of us, myself included, saw the dirtiness and shame of sin. He saw the ugliness that we, he saw that our life was headed down a dark path. And before we even were saved, he loved us. And now that we are saved, our response would be, God, you first loved me, but because you're so good to me, you're so gracious to me, I have things I don't deserve and things I, I shouldn't have. I will love you till the end. Love you to the end. That's true authentic worship. When we remember why we worship, it changes how we worship. It changes everything. It changes how we, how we come into a Sunday service. It changes our, our mindset when we give our money. It, it changes when we live outside of this building and how we we're supposed to represent Jesus, that we do it because Jesus loved us and he took care of us and he saved us. And the least that we can do is not ask for anything, but just obey and love him. Because here's the thing about worship. Because what happens is the reason why we can get into this, this mindset of like, I worship to get, I worship to get, when in reality is like, look, when we worship just focusing and thanking Jesus, it changes us. It does something to us because we're reminding our souls of who we're singing to. It's not just some ordinary God. It's not just some random Jesus, just Jesus. He was just a guy. No, he's the savior of the world who defeated death, sin, and shame. Not, no other religious leader I know could do that. So I don't worship them. I worship Jesus and I worship him knowing that he's going to do something on the inside, knowing he's going to do something to me, change my spirit and realizing that, yes, I can go to Jesus. He wants me to go to him. But when it comes to worship, I need to make it about him and his greatness and his glory. And it changes our life. It changes our mindset in our story. Mark 14, Mary is a beautiful example of what true authentic worship looks like. She breaks this super expensive jar of spikenard. Spikenard was a Indian spice that literally was super rare, super expensive. Here it says that it would, it would cost equivalent of a common average worker's annual salary in one jar. And she broke it. And you could see the drama of when she broke it. When she broke it, everybody must have, must have been shocked because everybody has something to say. Everybody, has, everybody had their opinions. Everybody, was, everybody thought that she was crazy. You know, how could she do that? And in this scene, we see two views on worship. We see Mary's view and we see Judas's view. You see, Mary, she saw Jesus and understood that he's worthy of my worship and I'll give everything I can for him. Judas saw this as a waste. Waste of time, wasted money. How could you do this? And their actions revealed how much they really cared about Jesus, their hearts, their motives. See, Mary saw Jesus worthy enough to give everything for. Jesus saw, I mean, Judas saw Jesus worthy enough to get 30 silver coins from. So much he ended up making, betraying Jesus. Look what it says in John 12, four to six. This is, this is Judas's true heart in this scenario. But one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was, a, it was worth a year's wages. And look what John says. Pretty much sells him out. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money back, Judas was in charge of the treasury of the funds for the disciples. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Mary loved Jesus. Judas loved money. And how we worship 
determines where our heart is. How we worship, the passion, the zeal, like how we, where, where is our heart? Because we all know Matthew 6, 21 says, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So we have to be careful that when we look at our lives and we look at our worship, we have to check our hearts. We got to check our motives. Like, do I truly have a heart for the house? Do I truly have a heart for Jesus? Or am I, do I have ulterior motives? Am I trying to get something else? Am I trying to, am I trying to just have this counterfeit Christianity where, where I think I'm being blessed and I feel like, I, like Jesus is my manager and he's supposed to do things for me when reality it's, no, it's check our heart because we treasure Jesus because he first treasured us. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And what he did for us is worthy enough to give everything for. And so what do we need to do? We need to look at the three truths we see in our story and follow the beautiful example that Mary laid out for us. The first truth we need to know about worship and how it helps us build the legacy, how it helps us on the right track to, to, to have a heart for the house is this, that our worship is never a waste. Your worship to Jesus, your brokenness, when you feel good, when you feel bad, when you're being blessed, when you're not being blessed, your worship is never a waste, ever. Even when your mind tells you that, even when the enemy starts lying to you, your worship, you showing up to church right now, beaten, broken, and bruised is not a waste. God loves you. He's for you. He's working behind the scenes. Don't give in. Don't give up because it's not a waste. You have a worship that's savior-centered and then a worship that's self-centered. Mary was the perfect display of a savior-centered worship. Judas was all about himself. You see, Mary, she didn't give the spike nard. She didn't break the jar waiting or hoping for Jesus to give her something in return. It's not why she did it. There wasn't like, hey, Jesus, you remember when that time when I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Uh, can I get my money back? Because I need it really bad. Like, no, that's not how it works. She wasn't, there was no expectations. There was no, because she knows how good God is. Because we forget that Mary had one of the darkest moments in the Bible when she lost her brother, brother Lazarus. She lost her, her brother, her rock, her one of the men of the house. I mean, her, probably her friend, they were close. I mean, the feeling of losing a loved one crushes your spirit, beats you down. And there she is. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to see my brother again. I, I wish I had more time. Who knows what she was thinking? But she remembers that Jesus showed up and Jesus provided and Jesus did a miracle. And, 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 and she remembers, but not only this, this is a beautiful part. Not only was Jesus there for the darkest time of her life, she saw the whole picture. She understood the mission of Jesus. She, she saw that Jesus was with her in her past, saved Lazarus. She saw that Jesus was literally in her presence right now, fellowship, friendship. And she also knew that Jesus in her future was going to die for her on the, on the cross. She saw, she, it just it opened up like, wow, this man is incredible. This man, how can I not do this? He was with me in my past. He got me out of the miry clay. He got me out of my addictions. He got me out of my struggles. He was there for me. And now he's still with me. He still wants to be close to me. And my future secure in him, and he has great plans for me. How can I not give everything to him? It was her natural response. She said, Jesus, I'm gonna give you everything. Because she understood this: that worship is always to give, never to get. Worship is never to get, but always to give. And some of us, if we are not careful, we could come into a church service and we sing every three songs and we go, God, I was singing beautifully. I had the right pitch. I had the right key. I know all the lyrics. Like, when am I going to get my blessing? Like, when am I going to not be sick anymore? Like, when is that job that I've been praying for going to come? And we get frustrated. We start to blame God. We blame the church. We blame our connect groups. And it's really like, hey, that's not what worship's for. 
And if you understood that worship is to give, it changes you and it encourages you. It gives you strength. It gives you momentum to face your struggles and to remind yourself that God is with you and he is going to answer on his perfect timing. That's what prayer is for. That's what community is for. We, we talk about those things. But when we worship, it's like, God, I need you. I love you. I know you're powerful. I know you sent your, your son Jesus for me. How can I question your love? And you remind yourself what you threw your life into, which is a life with Jesus. Because Judas had that mentality. Judas served Jesus to get. I've always wondered, and maybe you're the same, I've always wondered why was Judas a disciple? Why did, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a normal, that's how I read my Bible. I was like, this guy was terrible. Why was he a disciple? And I wonder, and again, the Bible doesn't say too much about his background, but I believe, and again, this is my speculation. Don't take this as like, well, this church is preaching heresy. No, I'm just telling you this. I believe that Judas was an ambitious person. Obviously he was the, the, in charge of the treasury. He was a smart man. He was educated. He understood numbers. But he was also from a small town called Kerioth. And I could imagine that being from a small town, your, your, your hope, like everybody from small towns is, I have big dreams. I want to make a name for myself. I want to get out. I want to see the world. I want to, I want to see things. I want to experience things. I want to do this, do that. I want to make a name for myself. And so Judas becomes a disciple. And as a disciple, I mean, he's with Jesus every single day. So every single day he sees Jesus and he's like, man, this guy's going places. This guy's, this, everywhere this guy goes, there's always a crowd of people. He's charismatic. He's influential. He's doing miracles. People like him. Like, like, if I can attach my life to Jesus, I'm on the fast track to power. Right? Like, think about it. He, he probably thought Jesus, like, man, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna change the world. Literally, he's gonna, he's gonna overthrow Rome. He's gonna be the king of the world. And us disciples, we're gonna be chilling. Like, it's gonna be great. Like, we're gonna have power. We can do whatever we want. We're gonna have influence. We're gonna finally make it. Can you imagine Judas on Palm Sunday? Jesus comes in on the donkey. They're throwing the palms. Hosanna, Hosanna. They're worshiping Jesus. He's like, yo, it's happening. We're going to be rich. We made it. And then what does Jesus do? Hey, guys, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore. And they're like, what? What? Like, imagine Judas, like, he was banking. Probably like, this is it. Jesus is going to, like, like, he's going to do it. I'm going to be there. I'm good. And now he says, now he hears Jesus saying he's going to die. That he's not going to stay here. He's going to leave. The anger, the bitterness, the betrayal he must have felt in his own mind. Because here's the truth. Judas didn't want a savior. He wanted a successor. Right? He, he was with Jesus every day. He followed him. He, was, he ate with him. He helped him. He, I mean, he was a part of it, but he had the wrong view of Jesus. And because he had the wrong view, he never experienced the love and the grace that we all can experience. So be careful thinking that you're close to Jesus, that that's, that's good enough. No, we got to be careful because the enemy knows how to get in and twist our minds. And, and it happened to Judas. It can happen to us. We have to understand that Jesus is not a successor. He's not here to give you power. He's not here to make you successful. He's not here to make your name the shining brights and the savior. You're not the hero of this story. I'm not the hero of this story. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. That Jesus died for me, this unworthy person. And, and all I have to do is just worship him, which should just be natural. Second thing we see is that our worship will draw criticism, my friends. It's going to draw. The, what happened? The moment she broke the jar, everybody's like. <laughs> it's, like it's like, all right, everybody's got something to say now, right? Like, 
Because the truth is, when you have a heart for the house, you're going to get criticized. You go to Sunday, you go to church every Sunday? Wednesday too? You go, <laughs> and youth group too, and Friday nights? Wait, they make you come back for growth track? You serving kids? Man, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? What's going Because people have, people have opinions. People will criticize and people say, how do you, how do you, like, how, why do you go to this building? What, what's, what do they give you? What's going on? Like, 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 why are you, who's Jesus? Why are you like, come on. We all have had families that have criticized us. We've all had friends that have criticized us because they don't, it doesn't understand, but we can't be surprised when it happens. And we can't allow negative voices to start questioning our godly choices. They got to stay, yeah, stand firm on who Jesus is. If you're all in on Jesus, the criticism, it's just noise in the background. That's what it was for Mary. Think about it. Mary, Mary didn't say anything. She, didn't, she probably didn't say anything. She, probably, she was probably just so in awe of Jesus that she, wasn't, she didn't care about what they were saying. Because she believed what it says in Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But this is the most important part. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. She knew and she heard that Jesus defended her, backed her up. And she realized the, worship, the reason I'm worshiping this guy, the reason I didn't, sport, I didn't pour that spike knot on your head is because you're not going to die on the cross for me, Peter. You're not going to die on the cross for me, Judas. You're not going to defend me, John. Like she understood that Jesus was the only one that she needed to have approval from. And a lot of us, we tire ourselves out trying to earn approval from other people. It's like, I want you to be more like your father, more like your mother, be like your brother, be like your friends. Why don't you do this? It's like, okay, I get it. I need some work. But I only care about Jesus' opinion most and foremost in my life. Because people pleasing could be a dark, dangerous game. Where we can serve people, but pleasing becomes abuse if we're not careful. And we live our whole life fueled by the voices in our world. Like you do this, you need to finish this, you need to do that. And again, every situation is different. Use discernment. Maybe you do need to change. Maybe you do need to get better. But don't, don't ever let the criticism take you away from your God-given destiny. Don't, don't sabotage the word of God. Don't sabotage your worship just because people have something to say about it. Because none of those people are going to do what, the, what Jesus did for you. I love my mom. I love my dad. They're amazing people. I have, an, I'm a, I have a blessed family. But they can't take my sin away. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And yes, I honor my mother and my father, like the word says. But when it comes to the criticism in my life, I only look to Jesus' approval and his alone. Third and final point, the band can come up. This is why I love this series and what it means to us. Is that the last thing we see is that our worship is our legacy. How we worship, how we live, the decisions and choices that we make. It will be remembered. See, in the end, like we said earlier, Mary and Judas were both remembered. But for two very different things. But they were remembered. You see, Mary, when she broke that jar, she created a wave of blessing that has been going on ever since this day in this passage. She was a blessing to Jesus as she showed her love towards him. She was a blessing to the home as the fragrance, the smell of the, the beautiful spikenard was blessing the home. 
And because this story is in three gospels, she's been blessing the entire world since then. Say to say that when Jesus says something, it's going to happen. Because what did he say? He says, oh, I'm going to make sure your story is remembered wherever the gospel is preached. So here we are, 2021, talking about Mary breaking the alabaster jar. She's blessing us. This is her legacy. This is how she will be remembered in her life. Then you got my boy Judas. He was remembered for something completely different. He was remembered for looking at Mary and saying, hey, you're wasting money. But in reality, he wasted his life. Wasted his life. Had the chance to be a disciple, to experience and be a part of hist- like world history. Who knows what churches he could have started? You know what, who knows what young men he could have pastored? He knew better, but yet he wasted his life. The question I want us to leave with and I want us to think about as we go about our day, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? What do people, what will people know about your life as the highlight? Because here's the truth. You can have a saved soul, but still waste your life. You have a saved soul. You could be saved, sanctified, going to heaven, but waste your whole life on things that don't matter. For me, how I want to build my legacy, as I'm about to be a father, as I'm a husband, as a son, as a youth pastor, you know, it's things you think about now, right? Like before you didn't have to think about this, but now you have a kid and like, it's just like, what am I going to show my daughter? What am I going to show the kids that go on to youth every Friday? And for me, what I, I, I hope, I try to keep things, I try to keep my goals simple because I'm not that smart. And so I just like, I'm, I just want to be able to remember these things. And for me, really, what I hope people say about me when I die is that even when I saw Phil going through something, he loved Jesus. Even when Phil was in the highest heights of his life, he gave Jesus the glory. That he never made it all about him. That he never... He never claimed to be perfect, but he always pointed people to Jesus. And he worshiped Jesus with all his heart. And if my daughter could say that about me, I'm a happy man. And so how do we want to be remembered today, church? Because worship is the most beautiful thing that we can do towards Jesus. I just don't want anybody to have the, the mindset that's, that's incorrect. I don't want people to think that worship is like, the reason we're gonna, the reason me and my wife are gonna stretch to give for offer the house is because we're just worshiping Jesus. And it doesn't, it doesn't, to me it just makes sense. Like Chipotle has my money because it's good. Like it's delicious. <laughs> and Jesus, he paid the ultimate price, so why can't I go above and beyond to give to him? So let's think about what, build, what legacy are we building today? Because we're going to all be remembered for something. And it's on how we live that will be determined how we were remembered. Let's stand up to our feet as we wrap up service. In a room this size, I don't, I don't know what everybody's story is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your struggle. 
I don't know what life has thrown your way. I don't, don't know the ins and outs of your Monday to Sunday, but I do know this, that whatever you're going through, it's not too difficult for Jesus. And that giving your life to Jesus, having a reason to worship is a beautiful thing. That when I gave my life to Jesus, I literally gave the keys of my life and said, God, I'm a terrible driver. I need you to take over. It's the best decision I've ever made. And I want to give some of you that opportunity. See, we've talked about it, but the the reality is Jesus did everything, paid the ultimate price for us. Jesus, though he was a man, he was fully God as well. And so that means he felt humanity, what humanity felt. He felt pain. He felt tired. He felt sleepy. He, he laughed. He felt joy. But he also was God, so he didn't make mistakes. He was perfect. He didn't have any blemishes. But he had a mission because he knew there was this thing called sin that if it's not dealt with, it doesn't give us access to God. And God loves you, and God wants to be with you, and God wants to talk to you, and God wants to be in relationship with you. But, but Jesus knew that nobody can get across that bridge on their own. Doesn't matter how much money you give to charity. Doesn't matter how much of a nice person you are. Doesn't matter how many followers you have. The, the bridge was always supposed to be Jesus. So Jesus, he's, time is up. It's time for him to go on the cross. He gives his life to the authorities. He's falsely tried. I mean, he knows this is going to happen. And he's falsely accused, he's beaten, he's tortured. They, they even do things to Jesus that's not even supposed to be done to criminals that are getting tried during that time in the Roman government. They did things illegal. I mean, it just, but again, he had to. He knew what was at stake. So Jesus finally was hung on that cross, his hands nailed, his feet nailed, the crown of thorns pressed against his forehead. And you know what he was thinking about on that cross? He's thinking about you and me. He wasn't like, ugh. Can we do redo? Can we start over? How does this, like, why am I doing this for these people? No. He's thinking about you and how much he loves you. And how much he wants to tell you that you don't have to do any work anymore to earn his love. All you have to do is surrender your life. Give your life to Jesus. Confess through your mouth. Believe that, believe in your heart that he is Lord and Savior of your life and you'll be saved. So today I just want to give you that opportunity. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, you want to know that you're going to have your sins forgiven that you can leave here a free man, a free woman, not, not bound to the things of your past. I want to give you the opportunity. It's a free gift. Jesus paid, all the, paid it already. He paid your tab. That's it. All you do is enjoy it. So if we could bow our heads and close our eyes, it's just for privacy. It's a holy moment. I want to respect everybody as they make the decision. You're saying, Phil, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm tired of hitting dead end after dead end. Tired, Phil, I'm just tired. I want to tell you, maybe you're struggling with the decision and you're saying, Phil, let me, let me change my life and then give my life to Jesus. My friend, you can't change your life without Jesus. So if that's you, you want forgiveness of your sins. You want to know that one day when you leave this earth, you're going to have a home in eternity in heaven. Today's your day. On the count of three, you lift up your hand. I'm not going to put a mic in your face. Hands are already going up. I'm not going to put a mic. I'm not going to embarrass you. The count of three, you put your hand up. One, two, three. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you over here. I see you. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. 
Hey, if you raise your hand, I wanna lead you in this moment. This is the confession and the believing part I talked about earlier. And the beautiful thing was we're gonna do it together as a church family. We're not gonna leave you hanging. We're not gonna lead you by yourself. We're gonna do this with you, support you, come around you, come alongside of you. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a, it's a repeat after me prayer. And this prayer, is nothing special about it. It's just you talking to Jesus, letting him know that you're all in, that, that you're, you're changing your ways and you're going all in. You're believing that he's gonna forgive you. And this is you talking to your savior. I'm just helping you facilitate this first prayer. So church, we do this every Sunday. Let's, let's support them strong as we say this prayer. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart, invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you and I love you. And everyone said, come on, let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate every single person that gave their life to Jesus. Amazing. Incredible. Really believe it's the greatest decision that you can ever make. Appreciate it, Ray. I really do. I mean, we say this every Sunday, but we, we, we believe it. I made the same decision you made at 17 years old at a youth camp. And I haven't been looking back ever since. Now, here's the thing. When you give your life to Jesus, doesn't mean that you go take the lottery right now and you're gonna win a million dollars. No, that's not how that works. Life is still gonna be hard. It's not gonna be perfect. But you'll never walk a day alone. And you're forgiven. And heaven now is your home. You're not just a stranger passing by this earth. And I believe that God will bless you. He will provide for you. And he will love you like never before. And here's the thing. Don't believe me. Believe this book. So after service, here's what we love for you to do. We have a free gift for you. And this free gift is provided by every single one of your tithes and offerings. Your giving makes a difference. And so we can give out free Bibles every single Sunday. So after service, before you go out, before it's not even, it's not even cold anymore. It's hot now. You don't have to rush outside. But get one of these Bibles. If you're scared, if you're nervous, go with a friend. I want to let you know our Dream Team members are the nicest people on planet Earth. They're incredible. They're not going to make it weird. They just want to give you this Bible, and they want to be there for, with, for you if you need anything else. But get this Bible, read it, get it into your life, and let it change you from the inside out. It's going to be the best decision you can make. And I just hope, church, that we have a new appreciation, a new understanding of the power of worship, that it's our legacy, that people look back about their time here at Calvary, and they say, man, that church knew how to worship. That, that church learned how, knew how to give. That church knew how to serve. And it's not just one man or a band. It's every single one of us understanding that worship isn't about you or me. It's about every single one of us lifting up with the name of Jesus through hell or high water. And so why don't we leave, leave here singing one more song. But let's be laser focused on the love of Jesus. Come on, remind your soul this afternoon that you're loved. Remind your soul that you're a child of God, that there is a, a bright future ahead of you, that your past is gone, that your past is forgiven. You're no longer your addiction. You're no longer your shame. You are made new in Christ Jesus. So if you can, let's lift up our hands, let's lift up our voices, and let's sing this out with all that we